We're reading is from John 14, 1 to 3, and then 25 to 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then 25 and 26. Uh, 25 to 27. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all of these things and will remain, remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Well, uh, the, the title today is Peace, but with a question mark after. I hope you noticed the question mark because that's part of the message of the title. Peace? Peace? Okay. And it begins, uh, I had an interesting, uh, actually an interesting couple of weeks. Um, began Tuesday night. Now on Tuesday nights we have this uh, discipleship group. It's really neat. There's about six of us that get together and uh, it's, it's a, becoming a very rich time uh, for us. And um, at this discipleship group a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were practicing one of the disciplines that we have. The di disciples, of course, have disciplines. That's the connection of the word. And the, uh, the discipline is to hold each other accountable for having uh, spoken uh, to someone about the Lord that, uh, the previous week. And when it got to my turn, I had to confess that I couldn't recall uh, talking to anybody that week about the Lord. I mean, I mean, other than, you know, Carol and that sort of thing, but I'm talking about a stranger or somebody that needed to hear about the Lord. I, I'd failed to do so. And I even failed to, uh, I had purpose to each day pray that God would give me somebody to talk to, and uh, for reasons um, that I'll explain later, perhaps, uh, I, I had uh, overlooked that also. So then the conversation went on to others in the discipleship group, and I'm sitting there feeling a little morose, and um, and my phone rings. I look, look at the phone, and it's Fred. So I took the call. Fred is a classmate of mine um, from high school. I graduated in a class of over 500 people, but Fred's the only one that I stay in touch with. And I don't see Fred very often. He lives out in California, and we have a call maybe once a year or so, so this was the once a year, so I said, I better take the call, so I excused myself and, uh, and went and started speaking with Fred. And it was the typical conversation that you have with somebody you hadn't seen for a while, you know, how's your health, how's your family, what's going on in your life? And then you share back and forth. And then Fred, he always hints at politics. And uh, since he moved out to California, where he lives, he's sort of taken on a California worldview, so I try to avoid uh, speaking politics with him like the plague. I took the bait a couple of times, and finally at the end of the conversation, we had to agree to disagree so that we could still stay friends. 
And then a part of every call from Fred, uh, he, he not so subtly shifts the, um, the conversation into telling me about his recent accomplishments. I'm not sure why, but Fred just seems, sort of needs to tell me about everything that he does and, and get some affirmation about it. So out of respect for our friendship, I, I listen to Fred and let, let him talk. I listen. He talks. And uh, this year, the story was about uh, Fred had been selected to have his name added to the peace wall, peace wall, like wall, in his town. Um, and it's a peace memorial. And this was not an inconsequential uh, honor that he would have his name added to this. Uh, Fred is, uh, is a veteran, um, and he but he's a peace advocate, and he's been a peace advocate for years, and he combines his interest in peace, his longing for peace, with his hobby, which is mountain climbing, and so he's a member, actually, I think a founding member of something called Climbers for Peace. Well, as I listened to Fred, um, I'm standing there away from the discipleship group, all of a sudden, it dawned on me, maybe this wasn't a coincidence, this call. Maybe this is the opportunity God's given me to speak a word about Jesus. Okay, so the call was drawing to an end, and I was congratulating Fred on this honor that he was getting. And then I, I suggested to him, I said, you know, maybe they might add the name of the Prince of Peace to the wall. There's a moment's hesitation, and he goes, you mean Jesus Christ? I said, yes. Another sort of embarrassing uh, moment, hesitation. And then he says, do you know that more wars have been fought in the name of Jesus than any other reason? Well, I didn't know that. As a matter of fact, I doubt that it's even true. But before I could respond to Fred, he was saying his goodbyes and he hung up. And I'm thinking, well, that wasn't much of a witness, was it? That was a bust. And a couple of days later, I received a large envelope. And in the envelopes, a couple of pictures of Fred and this citation uh, that he's uh, going to be have his name added to this peace wall. And as I was reading the material he sent me, I said, you know, the fact that he sent me this material invites me to send material back to him. So I wrote him a couple of page letter long about the Prince of Peace. And then I went out and got a little Gospel of John and I put that together in an equally big envelope and mailed it back to Fred, and Fred should be receiving that uh, any day now, so we'll see where that goes. But that's only half of the story. That's, that's half of the, the peace story, half the reason we're talking about peace this morning. Uh, the other half is the, the discipleship meeting and Fred's call uh, came in the middle of a family crisis that we were having. Um, one not dissimilar to uh, what some of the people in this classroom have experienced themselves, I'm sure. One of our children received a uh, cancer diagnosis, uh, which was inadvertently delayed for four or five months before, uh, from the time the diagnosis was made in the laboratory till the time he found out about it and uh, and started talking to the doctor. So, um, so you know that in itself was very uh, uh, nerve-wracking, and. Um, so minor surgery was scheduled. Uh, this, uh, this was the third go-round with this type of operation, and uh, it's always nerve-wracking because the outcome of this uh, particular illness can be very minor or terminal. There's not much in between. So um, 
uh, because of the month delay, the condition had actually worsened and to the point where uh, after the operation required several uh, days of lab work uh, necessary to determine what the outcome would be. Well, needless to say, peace was escaping Carol and me. <laughs> we weren't very peaceful. And there was a strong uh, desire expressed at that time to keep this information confidential, uh, which tied our hands somewhat, but both Carol and I did enlist a couple of prayer warriors uh, to get us through this. Um, we desired healing, of course, uh, for our family member, but, um, but at the moment we really needed peace, and we needed to pray for peace. In uh, short order, uh, I'm sure because of our own prayers and the prayers of the uh, prayer warriors we enlisted, in short order, I began to have periods of feeling a great deal of peace, some lasting as long as a day, um, which uh, at that time uh, I really couldn't explain. By the way, by the way, just so that you can continue to listen to this sermon and not get distracted, uh, last Sunday morning before church, we received a text passing one information from the doctor that everything was okay, that the, we were clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's and and we were really celebrating. Uh, the doctor had was had conveyed this information on Sunday morning not only Sunday morning for us, but Rosh Hashanah for him, because he's Jewish. And so the fact that he did that early in the morning on a Sunday morning indicates that he was pretty concerned himself. He understood the seriousness of it. So that's what triggered the topic for this sermon. Okay, two totally unrelated experiences in the last week when they had one commonality, peace, peace. That was the one commonality. Um, because uh, I, I thought, I've often thought about peace in the context of, uh, of events, uh, and, and these were two very different events, and I came up with two separate meanings for the word peace coming out of this. So just two meanings, and then you can see that, you can see that there's two very different meanings here. Now multiple understandings uh, of the meaning of peace, it's not a new thing. Uh, people have debated about what peace means, you know that, you've been in one of these debates yourself at times. Parker Ford Church is a member of the Church of the Brethren. Uh, we're a peace church. We're one of the traditional, I guess, three traditional peace churches in the United States, the Brethren and the Mennonites and the, and the uh, Friends. Okay, so we're a peace church. And uh, at annual conference, annual conference is where we determine what our uh, positions are on things. So there's a, a position uh, was taken back in the 1940s that all war is sin and they encourage young people in our church to perform alternative service rather than serve in the military. In this case, peace by definition is the avoidance of war and the killing that goes along with that. Sometimes brethren believers have had to pay a significant price uh, for their beliefs, particularly during the Revolutionary War, if you go back and, and look at some of the history. Uh, but you might ask yourself, well, is, is the Brethren position biblical? After all, many churches and denominations don't describe to that position. Well, I guess that is debatable, but it does seem hard to rationalize going to war as a follower of Jesus, particularly when you read the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this kind of peace, that is the absence of war, is mentioned many times in the Old Testament. And it's considered to be a blessing from God. Bottom line is that this kind of peace, the absence of war, um, is an important biblical concept. 
But there's more to the story, a lot more. Um, when, I, when I chose this subject uh, for this morning, I was uh, expecting to compare what I thought were like two different cases, two different definitions of what peace is. But then I started reading the scriptures for peace. There's, there's well over 200 scriptures containing the word peace. And, you know, when you're trying to understand what a word means, one way you can do it is to, if you go back to the original languages, which I certainly cannot do, and, and look and see what it meant there. Or uh, it's easy with, uh, with so many scriptures to read the scriptures and see how the word's used in those scriptures, and pretty soon you come up with a pretty good idea. And what I realized after reading the 200 plus scriptures is that peace actually has many, many different meanings. Um, so it's what I would call a flexible word. It's very flexible, what you would use for peace. So under the circumstances, you know, kind of confused and lacking a definition, I did what any good husband should do. I asked Carol, what do you think, hon? What's the definition of peace, you know? And she snaps it right out. She says, well, it's the absence of conflict. And then all of a sudden she says, well, I'm, I'm not sure that that's right. But I was sure that it was. I think she nailed it. It's the absence of conflict. The reason peace has so many meanings is because conflict comes in so many shapes and sizes. In other words, like war, uh, which is a conflict between nations, is, is much different than the level of conflict uh, of disharmony in the home. So it's, the conflict's different, but the concept of peace is perhaps the same, the elimination of that conflict. Um, to achieve peace, to achieve peace, that's sort of a something we desire, right? If we're talking about peace, you want to achieve peace. Well, peace, achieving peace has as many different ways of achieving peace as there are definitions of peace and the conflict that goes along with it. Uh, Leviticus, I'll go to Leviticus 26. This is the prophet. What prophet would be speaking in Leviticus 26? The prophet Moses. Moses was a prophet. Okay. Uh, he says, I will grant, this speaking of the Lord's words, I will grant peace in the land. That's important, peace in the land. That is absence of war. And you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. Now, the country was surrounded by enemies, bitter enemies, people they had chased out of the land, you know. Uh, but, he says, I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. That means you put your head down on a pillow, and you're not worried about anything. You have peace. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. This is the peace that my friend Fred is after. It's also what the Brethren Organization on Earth Peace is after. They're after that kind of peace where you can have enemies around you, but you're, you have peace. Um, it's, it's the absence of conflict between nations, but what most of all, uh, and most peace organizations don't understand this, that peace is actually a blessing from God. Peace is something God provides for us. And um, it, all too often, it's actually accompanied with righteous living. In all the scriptures where God's, where God's granting this peace as a blessing, it's in conjunction with behaviors, with righteous behaviors. Isaiah uh, 57, 21, there is no peace for the wicked. In other words, for wicked people, people who are not uh, living righteously, God doesn't grant peace. He makes sure that there's turmoil in their lives. That's what he says. 
And all too often, the, uh, this peace, which uh, various peace organizations are advocating for, they're advocating for the right thing, that is the absence of war and killing, but they're going at it the wrong way. They're not focusing on what are the behaviors in the nation uh, that's advocating for the peace. What's the behaviors for them? Sometimes they're actually chasing after some very wrong behaviors in conjunction with peace. Well, that's peace between nations. But what about turmoil in our lives? The Bible speaks of peace as something that we seek after when our lives are a mess. Have you ever had turmoil in your life? Have you? Have you ever had turmoil in your life? Of course you have. A, the disciples in today's reading had turmoil in their lives. What was the first thing Jesus said? Let not your heart be troubled. He was speaking to his, to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. They had turmoil in their life. Job, of course, had turmoil in his life. He says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only troubles come. That's what Job said in Job 3. Now back in the 1950s, I guess we can all probably stretch back to the 1950s. There was a prophet named Clarence Frogman Henry, okay? And he had a song, everybody's got troubles, 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 troubles all the time. He was right. How many of you remember Clarence Frogman Henry? I got one, he two. Ain't got a home. And yeah, ain't got no home. I'm a lonely frog. Yeah. yeah, well, he was a prophet about trouble. You don't have, you, you don't remember, okay. That's all right, honey. You got the company. Yeah. She, <laughs> she doesn't remember either. Okay. <clears throat> Often the first thing we think about when we have troubles and our life is in turmoil is, is getting rid of the problem, right? And that's not a bad strategy if you can do it, but often those problems that cause turmoil in our lives are beyond our control. So what's our response at that time? Well, our response is to fret, to worry, and to be anxious. That's what we do as human beings. That's where Paul's counsels to the Philippians kicks in. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, many of you know this by heart. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. I have this memorized and I repeat it to myself every once in a while to admonish myself. But I always forget the with thanksgiving part. But I encourage you to remember that. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. Ah. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you looked at what went on down in Washington yesterday uh, for Franklin Graham's group, uh, you'll see that uh, Mike Pence, the, uh, Vice President Pence, showed up unexpectedly. And uh, Franklin Graham, of course, graciously yielded the mic to the Vice President, and the Vice President spoke, spoke several scriptures, but this is one of the ones he spoke. He not only spoke this scripture, but he sort of elaborated on it. Well, when the Bible speaks about your heart, and this, this verse speaks about your heart, of guard your hearts, it's referring to emotions. So this verse could read, and I'll give you the paraphrase according to Jay, the peace of God will take control of your thoughts and your emotions and quiet your anxiety. That's what the peace of God does when we're in turmoil. It takes control of our thoughts and our emotions 
and it calms us down. That's exactly what I experienced during this recent family uh, health event. My mind was racing. I'm sure you've had this uh, happen to you. Every possible outcome was going through my mind, and I just kept rehearsing it over and over again. I just couldn't stop it. And every time I thought about the worst outcomes, then I had a struggle to keep my emotions under control. But as I prayed, and I'm sure as the others prayed, I began to experience peace. So much so, I would get so peaceful that actually at one point I admonished myself for feeling so peaceful. I said, no, 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 you should be worrying as though that's a parental responsibility to worry when, when a family member is sick. That's how peaceful that I got. <laughs> so um, that's turmoil. That's turmoil, the peace that comes along with turmoil. But there's also a peace that has to do with relationships. Relationships. Okay. The, um, <clears throat> You know, when, when nations go to war against other nations, uh, it's highly unlikely, except for stories you hear about the Civil War, but it's highly unlikely that we have any personal knowledge of the people we're shooting at, right? You just don't know. But with a personal relationship, and you're having trouble with a personal relationship, you know that other person. So it's a very different picture. And the Apostle Paul had to deal with this several times, not the least of which was his own time, right? He, he had a conflict. Um, over Mark, if you recall. So here's his advice. This is the Apostle Paul's advice. It comes from Colossians 3.16. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these values put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, that's what we are, we're members of one body, we are called to peace, to live peacefully with one another. Paul says that the key here to the peace in personal relationships is forgiveness and proactive love. Love where you reach out to the person you're having problems with and just perform acts of love for that person. That's the key to peace in personal relationships. Well, sometimes we're at war with ourselves. Hmm. We fail to meet goals, or we behave in a, in a way we had intended and purposed not to behave, or we compare ourselves to others and come to others and come up short. You know, the list goes on and on, how we can beat on ourselves, we can be at war with ourselves. There's a great verse in Isaiah pertaining to this. It says, as Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Isn't that a neat scripture? Quietness and confidence. The prophet's saying that if we focus on righteous living, that is, uh, reading your Bible, memorizing helpful passages. Charlie does a good job memorizing helpful passages. When we're talking or I hear him talking to other people frequently, he'll say, oh, that reminds me of, and then he'll quote a scripture, a useful passage. That's really important, and that's very helpful in this area of warring with yourself and bringing about peace. Okay, allow the Spirit to bring you into conformance with the Word of God. That's righteous living. Okay, and you will experience peace, and that peace quiets your warring spirit. It quiets you down, and it instills confidence, confidence forever. It instills confident living forever.
Well, the, the, the last uh, war, and certainly not the last one mentioned in the Bible, the last one I'll, I'll talk about here uh, today um, is war with God. You say, war with God? Yeah. God hates what? Sin. Okay? We are sinners. Right? So that puts us on opposite sides of the fence from God. You know? And, and that puts us at war with God. Um, and, and you don't want to be at war with the creator of the universe. Very bad position to be in. So uh, the Bible tells us how to handle that too. Um, I, there's all sorts of scripture, uh, of course, to address this, but I'll always migrate to Old Testament prophets. I love Old Testament prophets for some reason. So this one is very familiar to you. I could find a New Testament equivalent, but this comes from Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. We, did, we needed punishment in order to bring about peace but Jesus took that punishment. And his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. In the, in the King James Version, it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Right? And then Paul also, so I will go to the New Testament, he said, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. You know, when we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes within us, and then we get... Uh, the ability to do things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise, and they're expressed in the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, the main one I see in here is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace. We, one of the fruits of the Spirit, in conjunction with all the other fruits of the Spirit, uh, allows peace to become a part of who we are, to be a person of peace, a person who people can look at you and just say, that person is just filled with peace. Well, the most difficult part, I would say, of preparing this sermon is knowing when to stop, because I can go on and on, and how peace is used in the Bible. Peace would actually be a good topic for a whole sermon series, uh, but I'm going to end. But I'm going to end with one parting thought. In every one of Paul's letters, if you go open your Bible and go to the first page of every one of Paul's letters, he always has the same greeting almost always the same greeting, but always using the word peace, grace and peace be with you. And when he's saying that, it's doing two things. First, it's a prayer. Paul, and that's a, it's a mini prayer. Paul's praying for peace for the people he, he's going to write to. But he's also reminding them that peace belongs to believers. Believers can have peace. Grace and peace. It's a prayer and a reminder. During the 70s, the 1970s, now, if you couldn't go back to the 50s, you can certainly go back to the 70s, 70s, there's always this greeting, peace, peace. Remember that? Remember that? Peace, there you go, yeah. Pastor Bob used to use it all the time, sort of jokingly, peace, you know. Well, it's not a bad thing, except the peace that they were talking about there sort of <coughs> makes a mockery of God's peace. Because the peace they were talking about back there is, you let me do my thing and I'll let you do your thing and we'll be, we won't have to get in others' faces, you know. That's what that peace meant. But that's not what the peace of God meant as we've gone through the scriptures here today. I think it's time for us to restore that greeting, to restore that greeting back to its original meaning and purpose and make it part 
of our personal interactions with each other. So, peace be with you. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Yes. Our, um, our benediction comes from Hebrews uh, chapter 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.